Hey, Sammy. Yo, how's it going? All right, how are you? I'm all right. Yo! Welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy. Goody two-shoes, Yunnan. All right, look, as a science fiction fan, I enjoy photography. Because photography exists at different times exactly like a time traveler. A photo is taken in the present, but the photo is viewed in the future. So often, the viewer is looking at the past. And it's only when we look at the past, sadly we can only document the past, obviously. I don't think we can document the future just yet, I think, I hope, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's only when we look at the past that we have to start making choices. Because we can't document everything. Thus knowing we can document the past, the question then becomes, what do we document? My guest today is Henry Vanderspeck, a.k.a. Culture Snap Photography. And when it comes to documenting, his photography subject matter is old world shoes. His latest photography exhibition recognizes some of the talented individuals behind the shoes. Old World Shoes profiles individuals and owners of independent shoe and shoe repair businesses in Toronto. Armed with a camera and an open heart, Henry visited several shoe stores, talking to shoemakers about their craft, about their customers, and sometimes about the future. In the exhibition hosted at the Daniels Spectrum Art Gallery in Regent Park, you can see photography testaments and videos to cobblers, as well as to a rare and unique skill set and the strange environments where these creative individuals bloom. Old World Shoes is lively. It is a compelling photo exhibition that celebrates Toronto, a city powerfully populated with immigrants and hustlers, talented individuals who have dedicated themselves to their craft. And among the crafty ones is Henry. From Jamal Shabazz to Arnold Schwarzenegger to finding your vision to honoring his Dutch heritage with all those bicycles, this episode of My Summer Layer is as comfortable as an old shoe. All right, are you ready to start? One sip of water, sorry. All right, get it together here. All right. All right. Deep breath. Deep Zen breath. All right. <laughs> Actually, that the 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 deep Zen breath is uh, kind of uh, sets up my first question because you recently <laughs> celebrated a birthday. So, do you have any sage wisdom from your various revolutions around the sun? Oh my goodness! Oh wow! Um, We're getting into the good stuff off the bat. Right off the bat, just dig right for the entrails yeah someone <laughs> <laughs> the goal of soul the guts yeah um <clears throat> well as arnold schwarzenegger i heard him once say life <laughs> is a continuous struggle uh but uh it's more seriously um <laughs> he also said get to the chopper too when things get heavy <laughs> yes he did yes he did so uh yeah, yes um you know, love your neighbor, be good to all, <laughs> look for the good, <laughs> life wisdom, life lessons, all seek right. uh, seek good for everyone, live your passion, you know, seek meaning, connection, human connection. That yeah. works. Yeah. Echoing <laughs> those themes of like passion and um, loving others and connecting with others. I want to start with Jamal Shabazz because we met this dude. In, I think it was 2018, right? Was that the Ryerson gig? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, what was it? What is it about Jamal Shabazz's work? We're going to get more into this story because you and I actually got a chance to hang out with the dude. But what is it about Jamal Shabazz's work that kind of captures your attention? Because he's a prominent photographer, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of know who he is. So, I just want to set it up as we kind of get into your work. What is it about oh. him uh, and his work that captures your attention? I'd love to talk about him. Yeah, he, 
I mean, he is a beautiful human being, a beautiful soul. And, uh, and to me, that's, you know, I think, I mean, you talked about life lessons, that's for sure something I want to be first and foremost, not, you know, some someone who grandstands, but someone who lives something that they believe in and and really express it through actions, you know, and, and then thinking of Jamal Shabazz, wow, you know, um, that talk was called Vision and Purpose that we heard at Ryerson and, uh, you know, he live, he lives a life of vision and purpose, mm -hmm. not just because he captures images, but, you know, to this day, you know, you follow his Instagram feed and he's sharing stories of people, not just from the moments he met them, but now 20, 30, maybe more years later and where they're at now, what's going on in their life, you know, how he bumped into that person now again, and they're, they've told them where they're at. So he's about people and, and connecting with people. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see someone who does that so well, um, you know, that human connection uh, that comes through his work. Um, he's not just looking for his own glory, his own banner uh, lifted up, but it's about the people he meets um, and the community he's part of, uh, that he's, he's elevating those. And uh, that's, I mean, I hope an aspirational goal for every photographer, hmm. no, matter, no matter what you do. So uh, to speak about him, it's, uh, you know, and to have met him was, you know, an honor. Both of those are an honor. So, yeah, yeah. like some of the neighborhoods you're talking about, like uh, East Flatbush and Red Hook and stuff. He kind of took ownership of those neighborhoods, like Daredevil and Hell's Kitchen or like Luke Cage, right? <laughs> like in Harlem. Yes. Um, yes. And he was like the Marvel <laughs> superhero basically with his mm. camera that was his weapon uh and he used that to like capture these stories and these people uh that were living these kind of sometimes hard lives sometimes strange lives in these uh boroughs of new york city it was fascinating absolutely yeah i love how you put that yeah you know he didn't have a cape but he had a camera and uh <laughs> he has a camera and he's still doing it and uh it's it's a beautiful thing for sure so yeah. that was 2018, and then you and I were in New York City, I think it was for about a week in 2019, and I had been mm -hmm. emailing Jamal back and forth, and we finally got to settle on a date and a time, and we got to go uh, visit him in Long Island, which was a part of New York City or kind of New York City adjacent that we never really have explored. Um, we got to mm -hmm. go and hang out with him in his studio. Again, like, as a photographer, what is that experience like just to like hang out with somebody like that and just have him share his work and share his life as much as he does that for other people? Oh, I mean, again, like the human connection to so to connect with someone who's all about human connection and in a field that I myself, you know, operate in, it's just a gift. It's a real gift. Um, you know, uh, to have that time, to have that moment, to have that affirmation you know it's you know life really is about human connections and uh to have someone you admire respect or in awe of give a little bit of that to you personally uh and it was to both of us in that time um mm -hmm. is is a wonderful thing you know you feel like you're blessed you know you've got a blessing on you <laughs> you've got you know you've received something special mm -hmm. um you know, we, we left that uh, time with him and I went to a talk at B&H in, in, in downtown New York uh, with uh, another um, very uh, talented photographer, Christopher uh, Davis, I want to say. Um, I'm going to get the name wrong <laughs> uh, right off the bat here. But um, he was talking and, we, and in the audience, there was a Q&A and, and, and one of the persons said to the, the speaker, you know, you know you, I love what you're doing you could be like someone like Jamel Shabazz, you know? And I just got chills because <laughs> I came, I'm an hour later, I'm yeah. sitting in this room and he's saying that. And I was just with the man himself, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't dare even mention it because it would just sound arrogant. But yeah. uh, anyways, it was an amazing thing, <laughs> you know, to have that back-to-back that -back experience. But uh, it's always a gift. I've met a few other photographers I really admire and you know, not all of them are as attentive maybe to the people they're around, mm -hmm. uh, they, but they're gifted and it's a, it's a good thing to be able to meet them and, and have some connection with them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things he said, Jamal said when we were, you and I were hanging out with him in his studio, 
And it was great. Like he he was so generous with not just his time, but with his ideas. And he was showing us all his work and like giving us like backstories. And like so you would see some of the iconic photos of like kids in the 70s and stuff and then all the hip hop gear and everybody looks fresh. And then mm-hmm. he would tell you these like stories and like this kid, unfortunately, is dead. This kid OD'd. This one is like in jail. It's like these crazy stories. Like you said, this kind of connection and this life story. And in one of the quotes that he had and one of the things that he shared with us, I'm going to read this line because it was so good. I look at the camera as a compass. Once I start to appreciate the science of photography and image making, it put me on a particular path that led me to a place where I was able to connect with people all over the globe based off this language of photography. I don't know mm. when I picked up the camera that I would be on this path. That's basically your story too, isn't it? Like you didn't know <laughs> you're going to end up on this path. And like once you picked up the camera that you're going to end up on all these different places and talking to all these people. Cause your work kind mm. of echoes a lot of what Jamal Shabazz's work does. Mm. Well, I, <laughs> That's very nice of you to say. I uh, I do appreciate that when you pick something up, it takes you somewhere, and um, you know, uh, there's a thread. You know, it's just a thread of your passion. It doesn't seem to have any substance, maybe at the beginning, but uh, it becomes. You know, the thread becomes a string, becomes a rope. You know, becomes uh, held to an anchor of something that guides your life. You know, and uh, I believe that's true and so I love hearing that about his own journey and yeah I mean I've I've tried my hand at a lot of different things and uh it does seem the camera and photography is really the one of the one that's sticking sticking with me in my life and and taking me places you know I think a number of photographers I've heard talk about it being like a passport a camera being a passport or being a some kind of an entryway point allowing you to get places that you never would you have a reason you're you're documenting, you're capturing, you're engaging. And mm-hmm. um, certainly that's been true for my life. And, you know, I've, I've had the privilege in some of my previous jobs to be someone who gives talks. And, you know, I remember I had the chance to give a talk and to my own old high school. And, uh, you know, I, I said that very thing, you know, you find something and it takes you places, you know, that, that, that little thread of passion takes you places, no matter what it is, you can do something good with it. Um, no matter what field you find yourself in. And, uh, I certainly hope I can do some level uh, echoing the, the amount of what um, Jamal Shabazz has done for sure. You and you're talking, you're basically talking about vision, which is what the whole point of a camera is, right? Like the ability mm-hmm. to capture vision or recognize a scene. And one of the things that's interesting, because I've gone with you on a number of trips, and this has happened to us a couple of times, and I, I always find it kind of puzzling, is you and I will be shooting on some random street in Montreal. We were recently down in the junction shooting as well. And somebody will stop us. Right. And then start talking to us and like, yo, what are you shooting? Like, what kind of camera do you have? Or like, they'll ask you questions. You know what I mean? Like, it's a curious thing. We're like, we're just two dudes just shooting like a building or a sign or a mural or something, whatever it may be minding our own business, not talking to nobody. And then a couple people will stop us and we'll be like, yo man, and they, they start this conversation. It's a weird thing because it's, I don't feel like we're giving off a vibe that like, yo, talk to us. Or we're like, you know what I mean? Like, we're just hanging out in the yeah. corner here. We're, we're kind of shifty looking. <laughs> we're loitering. Right? And it's funny that people feel comfortable enough to approach us and start talking to us and like start to engage, even though we're just shooting with the camera. Yes. Yeah. That is true. That is true. I have had... Uh... You know, yeah, I've had a lot of interesting encounters with people just because of having the, the camera. And I saw a friend of mine, you know, she said that too on her Instagram um, yesterday, uh, um, Lisa McIntosh. She said, uh, you know, that everyone, you know, people come across our path for a reason. And she had this person who goes out and feeds birds and these like incredible pictures of that person that she just encountered that day. She never knew. Um, and yeah, people just come up and start talking. I actually went last night uh, with my daughter to the uh, Massey Hall reopening just to get the shots of the sign the night it reopened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was out there and I had that kind of encounter with these two characters. <laughs> they actually um, stopped and talked to me first. And then, and because I got started talking to them, the, the CP24 guy uh, put them on air. But it was me who kind of started the conversations with them. <laughs> and they were real characters. One guy was 70, the other guy was probably similar age. 
and he, he uh, had all these funny gestures and like wrestling references from like the 70s and 80s that <laughs> of course I, I recognized some of them my daughter didn't um, but yeah you're right it opens doors <laughs> to interesting connections and I, like coming back to again it's life is about those connections of people not just about you know whatever numbers or data or and and um, and I think you know vision you know we talk about vision and purpose of Jamal you know vision is more than just how to compose a shot but vision in your heart and soul for life and what is life about you know that's vision and everyone can have vision for how they live uh not just a photographer you know i have a vision for you know how i want this world to be how i want human interactions to be and uh and i'm going to try and live in such a way to bring that vision about uh and if i can do that with my camera that's great but you can do it with something else too you could be in real estate or you could be a mechanic and still bring those values and things to your job so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah see you are getting wiser as you get older <laughs> <laughs> let me reach for my cane and i'll see what else yeah oh, yeah <laughs> but more than just people that kind of run through your work when people look at your ig feed you can see a lot of uh, bicycles and a lot of wordplay Mm. So what is yeah. it, what are those two elements that kind of like attracted you to like want to capture those on film? Because again, like just kind of parallel with what we we're talking about with Jamal Shabazz, he's primarily known for like a lot of that 60s, 70s, 80s kind of hip hop look, right? Where like that early New York City scene and that kind of street photography that runs through his work. Your street photography mm. has a lot of bicycles and a lot of wordplay. Uh, so what is it about those two elements that kind of like capture your attention? That's a good question. Um, well, bicycles, I mean, I'm a Dutch heritage Canadian and bikes are just unreal there. <laughs> I just saw like a new, an article about some new bike parking thing that was built in, in the Netherlands that is just unreal. Like it's, it's better than any car parking lot you would find anywhere in Canada. Um, and you see that outside of the train stations in Central Station, Amsterdam or Rotterdam or wherever levels and levels of bike parking. So bikes are <laughs> part of my heritage. And then my dad biked to work every day. I'd see him go, I'd see him come back, you know, um, and uh, my dad with his bike. And <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm tired of overworked getting ready for my exhibit and probably a bit mo- emotionally vulnerable as my friend Ron used to say, but um, <laughs> my dad is the one who, uh, carried the camera that uh, <laughs> that I use now <laughs> with film. So mm-hmm. it's a film camera. So I think of bikes, I think of my dad. <laughs> and it's a, it's a meaningful and healthy way to get around. So, um, and I like people in my pictures, you know, it's uh, in a respectful way. I'm not out to capture anything that's negative. And bikes are a beautiful thing. They're like works of art. Um, I think sometimes even just sitting on the side of a road. And uh, yeah, so (laughs) I like the visual element they add to an image, to a scene. Um, The cycle of life. Cycle of life. There we go. (laughs) I like good puns too, as you and I know. We do that share. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So, uh, but then words too. Um, you know, I've been thinking about that lately, like, and I've, I've grown up in a faith community and, and scripture is a point of reference in, in that community. And I've been thinking almost like there's like some um, element of that in me <laughs> looking for texts, you know, the verses of the, of the street, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know? <laughs> and uh, what are they saying? <laughs> you know, what are the, what are the prophets and soothsayers of the of the street trying to tell us um buy and stuff? i enjoy it <laughs> no it's buy stuff there's a lot of uh grit and guts and mm-hmm. you know there's love but then there's some hate too so um <laughs> i enjoy discovering that and seeing if i can make it part of a composition that adds another level to what the words are itself so it's uh it's fun it's fun <laughs> to discover go out there and discover what's there it's interesting because having traveled with you too, you pay attention more 
to the the neighborhoods and the places that we're in. Because normally when you travel, if you go to a place like New York City, you just like, if you decide you're going to go to the Empire State Building that day, you just walk to it. And if you see something kind of cool or something that maybe captures your eye, some people are breakdancing or something, you'll stop. But for the most part, you're just kind of head down and just going to Empire State. You get to Empire State, you check it out, you hang out there. Then you're like, all right, let's go to Statue of Liberty or let's go to this like Madison Square Garden or whatever it may be. That's how people kind of generally travel. You don't always like you're going to these certain destinations. But with with you carrying the camera, you actually stop and then you start to notice the different things along the way to the Empire State Building. Right. And so it's kind of interesting because there is so much that we tend to miss. You can't travel to a city like New York City or like uh, Portland or Mexico City or other places and just kind of like zombie walk through things the way we do here in Toronto when we're on the way to work or something like that or like on the way to shoppers. You got to sometimes stop and just kind of look around and appreciate what's around you. Mm, yes, that's true. Some would say it's a blessing or a curse. If you're walking with me, maybe it's a curse because <laughs> I see things everywhere. Uh, I uh, yes, it's only I, um, a curse when we're hungry. That's the problem. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then, and then it's just like then there's no patience for art, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess you know, like talking about that following a thread and it becomes a rope or a string and a rope and and leads you to something of an anchor. You know, I think that you know it's trusting your instincts. You know, on the visuals that are engaging you and 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 honoring that and then that grows um you know i think i've heard this expression whatever you focus on grows well i'm focusing on the artistic elements of the street that are there by happenstance or by my own composition of putting them together in a frame in a way that others haven't um so yeah i'm just i'm always seeing things i'm driving and i'm like oh my goodness look at that and i can't stop i can't pull over i don't have time <laughs> I mean, I have pulled over, I'll admit, a few times, but I can't always do that, you know. Um, and that's why I sometimes take my bike when I go out and do street photography. Um, I can pull over easily. But um, yeah, I'm always seeing these visual elements that are uh, opportunities, you know, calling me. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that's built into me that I've, and it's like, a, I guess, like a muscle you can develop, you know, mm -hmm. um, like any craft or any thing that you dedicate yourself to you start seeing more opportunities within that craft, the more you've put your energy and attention into it. So, yeah, but especially in a new place, that's why I like to go to a new neighborhood of the city of Toronto um, and especially love traveling. Like we have many times uh, just to take in that something fresh, you know, a new way of seeing a new way of doing things. And, and uh, it's kind of energizing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's reminiscent of uh, Eminem, which was kind of a strange segue out loud. Uh, but um, when he was shooting 8 Mile, he would obviously like be in the scenes and he would do his dialogue and stuff like this. And then they would all cut. And then they would have to adjust a couple of lights or do something in the before they set up the next scene or the next shot. And he would then, as soon as they called cut, he would reach into his pocket and he would pull out a pad and a pen and he would just start rhymes again. Like he, you know, what I mean, like you can tell, like he even during the scene, he was kind of having things go through his head or maybe there was something that the one of the actors delivered a line a certain way and he wanted to get that cadence down. Like he just couldn't quote unquote turn it off, even though he was making a movie. You know what I mean? Like he had to get it all out. Like he was such, a, he was so rhyme focused uh, that he couldn't really be distracted, even though he's making a movie. I think that was kind of interesting way to work. Mm -hmm. That's neat. That's really neat. Yeah. I keep, I do keep notes of places that I got to get to. Um, I don't always do it. And sometimes I'm forgetting, like, I, I know I saw something two days ago and I'm already like, you know, I was driving and I've forgotten, but I, at the time I, you know, so when I can write it down, it's good. I try to keep notes of stuff that I'm going to get back to um, for sure. But your one of your life lessons, you always tell me this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> is that uh shoot the photo now because that plate that thing may not be there tomorrow right oh my goodness oh, that man. mural yes. might get painted over or that uh that weird scene that's happening with like you know like a really cool street name and a bicycle guy goes by and it's like it's all set up like shoot it now because you're not going to get these kind of like that sunshine and that light and uh, or the dark mm -hmm. clouds or whatever it may be you get this one opportunity to take this photo otherwise then Preach it's it. all gone 
<laughs> preach it <laughs> i yes. listen sometimes <laughs> speaking my truth yeah <laughs> yes <Right>. so <laughs> absolutely i can't think of how many things like you know there was one earlier this year and and on the left side of a wall someone wrote uh covid's fake in like hand scrawled kind of spray paint but like a scrawl kind of to it mm -hmm. and on the right some artist has been putting words up and on the right is the word fate and I thought well, on the left, COVID's fake. On the right, fate. Like, what do you, <laughs> what is this saying? It's like this combination. Mm -hmm. And so I worked that scene. I went back like three times. And I think after the third time, the whole wall had been painted over. The, oh, well, the COVID's fake, fake part was painted over. Um, but it, yeah, it was gone. If I hadn't like intentionally made it happen, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's so many places that are like that and phrases and words and someone covers it up again and, and I'm, I'm capturing them as much as I can. And I think one day I'll definitely need to make some kind of exhibit or photo book of, you know, the words of the street from Toronto because um, they, they, weren't, they weren't around long, but they can be around longer, I guess, that way. <laughs> and you've been shooting a lot more of the film, which, like, actual mm. film, which makes me nervous because I like the digital format because <laughs> you can take as many as you want with with digital, if you mess up or you put your thumb on the lens or something, you can go back and then like shoot it instantly. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. With film, you get a certain amount of photos, and if the f-stop or your I don't know whatever your camera things are, I don't always listen. <laughs> um, doesn't come through, or you didn't adjust something. Like you get basically one shot. It's a lot of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the last second shot in an NBA game. <laughs> you can make as you many know. threes as you want all day and that's how i am in the first and three first three quarters of a game putting up shots everywhere with digital but once you get into uh film it's always the nba last second shot and i'm like no nah, man i don't have ice in my veins for that to quote eminem the opportunity comes once in a lifetime you know so one <laughs> shot <laughs> so you got to give it all <laughs> it all right, you got you got to concentrate with film, absolutely more than you know. Hold down the the button for six shots in a row with with the digital. Um, yeah, you have to, I mean, you have to concentrate in a different way. You know, I know that. Oh yeah, if I hold the button down, I'm going to get one of those moments <laughs> in those six shots. One of them will be, but with the film, yeah, you're like, okay, just when the person steps their foot down right on this like thing that's on the ground or whatever, click. You got to yeah, it's it's more focused. Uh, more intentional and uh, the surprise factor you know that's what I love uh, as well like waiting that whole arcade fire song we used to wait for it well film was definitely puts you back in that zone of you know waiting for things and developing and uh, seeing the results and having but there's that reward you know to it too like the discovery and then and then the you know some people will be very uh are very much against it, but I, the surprise of having double exposures and uh, light leaks and, you know, a different type of flare that you wouldn't get with digital, some light coming into the lens or, um, so it adds something to my uh, photography routine that's, that's uh, invigorating. So, and it's, I've been, yeah, it's about four years now I've been doing it again. I used to do it years ago, but um, I've really enjoyed it. And then the, the film types were, you're getting something really intriguing that you wouldn't get without a ton of work in digital processing to get there. Was it so. film that you used when we went to Coney Island? I think this was the same trip as we went to Jamal Shabazz and you used, yeah. you used some film and you had some really cool images of Coney Island and the rides and the fireworks and all kinds of stuff that was happening. I was busy getting a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. You, you do your thing. I do my thing. I did shoot both uh, digital and film, but I, uh, I think I shared more film pictures. Um, I did one type of film. It was uh, like a double uh, pre-exposed with certain colors. And I thought this is perfect for a carnival-like atmosphere. And um, I did a blog post about it. Yeah. Of Coney Island. I got some really, what I felt were interesting shots of the, you know, the rides and the uh, attractions to the games and stuff. Um, the boardwalk, the characters, you know, street preacher and uh, buskers and the big wheel behind on the street there um, on the boardwalk. So, yeah, I did. I did use some of that there. And 
uh, I think even with Jamel, I, I shot some film and uh, digital when we when we met him. Yeah. Yeah, my my hot dog was delicious, and your fo- photos were great. So everybody wins. You, you're talking about nice. the arcade fire. Uh, we used to wait, and one of the things we've all been kind of waiting for is the end of the pandemic, uh, <laughs> whatever that looks like. Uh, I think we're still in some sort of wave, third wave or fourth wave. I give up now. Uh, I'm not very good at surfing. But one of the responses you had to the pandemic was again to use your photography and your creativity and you got to work on the humans of the Danforth project kind of like a send up of the humans of New York uh so if anybody doesn't know humans of New York or uh, humans of Danforth can you uh, just kind of break that down and what that project was about sure yeah um so yeah it was about celebrating the small business people of a section of a street called the Danforth here in Toronto uh it's probably best known for an area called Greektown and that was the area I was working in. Uh, there's many parts to Danforth, but that part is the one I was working in. Um, and uh, it was with uh, an organization called East End Arts and uh, the Greek town on the Danforth Business Association, BIA. And um, yeah, I, I interviewed, I think it was about 26 people, business people, and took their photos. Uh, and then they created um, an exhibit in the windows of those businesses or also in the local uh, TTC subway station. And as well, uh, even now you can find all of them in the PAPE library at PAPE and Danforth. And with it, there were QR codes you could scan and you could hear the uh, uh, interview, uh, the best of the interviews, um, like the edited down versions of the interviews with the people. And I heard so many great stories, like talking about human connection, like um, you know the, the way the community supports each other and supported each other during the pandemic. Um, the way customers supported the businesses to survive, you know, in terms of buying things that they might never even use or would use in a year or two just to give them money so that they could keep their, uh, you know, keep operating in the future. Um, it was a, it was a beautiful thing, a real gift to meet those people and hear their stories and uh, to, yeah, to, to learn more about human experience in my community. You know, it was, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like to echo what we've been talking about, when you live in a city like Toronto or in a neighborhood like the Danforth, you're just going to the restaurant or you're just walking towards the store that you're going to. You don't really know, you don't really pay attention to the other stores, right? And you don't know the stories of the owners. You don't know anything, right? You're just kind of in this zone. You just got to get to the restaurant, meet your friends, hang out, have fun, and then leave, right? You don't interact. Um, and so they just kind of exist as this kind of like, quote unquote, bland wallpaper in the background that you don't really kind of pay attention to as you kind of go to where you're going, to your destination. But one of the beauties of every road trip is that you get to stop along the way and get to see these things. And that's what you got to do uh, by kind of hanging out in this neighborhood. You know what I mean? Mm. Absolutely. That's a great, great way of putting it. You know, we get in these modes where we're not, you know, thinking about the people. We're just trying to get the thing they're, they're giving us or selling us. But yeah, if we can find a way to slow down, not just when doing a documentary project like I've been doing uh, and to hear their stories, it's, it's an opportunity. It, it helps us slow down uh, and we hear a human experience and we make those connections and, you know, feel po- more part of, you know, the human experience and life in our, in our neighborhood. And, uh, and we've got a friend, you know, we come back there and, and uh, you get to know, get to know them, you know, in a new way. So it's, it's definitely, um, it's a good thing for sure. Yeah. And so this leads us into your new project, uh, which opens December 2nd, Old World Shoes. What is Old World Shoes? Well, uh, you know, I, I, it's a project celebrating small shoe and shoe repair stores or independent shoe and shoe repair stores of Toronto. Um, it's about their stories again, their voices. So it's going to be an exhibit with their photos. Uh, photos of them, as well as some photos of the, the details of their shops. Uh, and then alongside uh, with quotes from them, from my interviews I did with them, um, talking about their experience running their business, uh, you know, life lessons of and insights that they've gotten, you know, about serving their customers, about the quality of their shoes or shoe repair. Um, but uh, as well as some video, there's going to be a few video links QR codes you can scan to see videos of the interviews I did with them, edited down to a shorter length. 
Um, but this whole thing came about because I was just feeling like Toronto is just constantly in a state of redevelopment. You know, whole city blocks are being torn down. I've heard that we have one of the largest, uh, highest number of cranes, you know, construction cranes of, of any city in North America. Um, and uh, so there's so much redevelopment. And I was just feeling that when I started this in late 2017, just feeling like, you know, we're losing all these little businesses along the way. A whole block is torn down, they disappear. So who stops and celebrates these people? Who thinks about them and, you know, you know, honors the, what they brought to that community after decades usually of service. So that was what was motivating me, but that was just too big of a topic. And so then I thought, you know, I need to focus. What can I focus on? I was mulling it over. And then I realized one day I realized, well, I've always loved these little shoe shops. Like I used to walk by one when I worked out on uh, near Little Italy. And there was one there that intrigued me. And I, I think I have one Instagram post from like 10 years ago, probably of that, some shoes there. Anyways, I realized I need to focus. That's a great way to focus on this bigger theme. And so then I got started uh, and I interviewed 20 uh, owners of 20 different stores. And this show will show 14 or maybe 15 of them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Was there anything that kind of stood out to you? Like you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but anything as you kind of talk to these shoe owners, like it's, some of them are shoe repair. So this is like a fading skill because we just kind of all go out and buy Nikes now, right? So it's not like uh, there's a lot of uh, quote-unquote demand for these types of repairs and these types of skills. Is there like... Uh, a theme or a consistent um, like feedback I guess they were having in terms of like were they were they happy of their time of service were they worried about the future were like were they uh, did they still have like regular customers and still kind of engage with people like was there any sort of that consistency with the people you talked to yeah that's a good good question um, definitely there were some themes like I think the small shoe stores are feeling threatened more than some of the repair stores uh, be, repair stores, some of them have said that their industry uh, is recession proof because people will, you know, if they're in a tough time financially, well, then they're going to save and not buy new, they're going to fix what they have. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that aspect to the repair side. Uh, and then some of the shoe places, yeah, because of online sales and everything, uh, they felt that they were feeling the pressure. Uh, whether they're going to be around in, you know, so many years from now, or at least they, they said like the boutique, you know, personal touch kind of shops that sell shoes are feeling that way. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, all of them, all the shoe selling people were all really proud of what they could bring in terms of customer service, you know, and, and uh, quality of product. Um, they're not just trying to churn out numbers but quality and earn the trust of customers over years, you know, mm -hmm. and that's different than big box kind of shoe places where it is, they're just churning stuff out. You can find some quality in those places, but um, there's a different type of approach. Um, the depth of quality is not there in the customer service and care. You know, a lot of the little shops I interviewed, they, they would, you know, you could sit down and have coffee with them, mm. you know, they'd have like a little friendly social and okay, if you didn't buy it today, no worries, you know, um, and others, some of them say, you know, we'll even recommend a place down the street that might have what they're looking for because that they know they're earning the trust by doing that. Mm -hmm. And they'll come back in the future because they know this is a place you can trust. So there's all of those elements of trust and of quality goods and customer service. And then same with like repair, like the, the stories of just feeling so proud and the look on people's faces when they've delivered something, you know, um, that just changed their life. You know, there's one guy, Yorgos, Yorgos the Cobbler. He's out on Bloor, Bloor West, out past uh, Ossington, I think. Um, you know, he had this great story. It's in the, the short video that we're making front to show on the exhibit, you know, about how a woman had canes to walk with and she got her shoes from him. He does like orthopedic shoes as well. And she left and, and he, he realized a few minutes later she had left her canes in the store. So he went running out and he couldn't catch her. And then the next day she came back and she said, you know, I've walked, I was walking so well with what you gave me. I didn't even think I needed my canes anymore. Yo, and the, guy, fresh. the guy said that was like one of the best things I ever did. You know, one of the best. So they have this deep satisfaction. They're working, they're making quality and they're turning stuff out. 
for people renewing it, refreshing it, you know, bringing it back to life. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. That, that good feeling, you know, there's a lot of neat anecdotes from that, from that side too. So, um, but there's, there, uh, there is a real challenge on, I think, for sure on all of them uh, because the skill, like you said, is a dying trade uh, of 20 places I interviewed four. And I think maybe a fifth uh, out of four, at least four out of 20 have closed. And there's a fifth one. I'm worried he's closed as well. He was 82 or so when I interviewed him two years ago and his number is not operating anymore. So I have to get to his location to pay a visit, hopefully this afternoon. So yeah, we're, they were losing these places, these people, you know, and they're the stories of how they got trained, you know, little, little villages in Italy, the guy who I'm going to check on this afternoon, you know, from Hungary, he left school and, and skipped school to go hang out with a shoemaker. He got in trouble, but he went back again and again. <laughs> And he eventually became a, a master shoemaker, trained trained as a master shoemaker in his country, and came here and benefited us with his skills. So, um, yeah, but there's those that that type of training and old world skill that I'm referencing in my title. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's it's fading a little. It's it's. I hope it can carry on still, though. We've seen this when you're talking about with the redevelopment of Toronto, and like you and I have been to New York City often enough that when we go to certain neighborhoods, we see the changes and certain stores are closed or like uh, the restaurant that was there is no longer there, that kind of thing. Most of that to me is symbolized, is symbolized by um, uh, Honest Ed's in Toronto. So if anybody doesn't know, Honest Ed's was like this giant store and it looked like basically <laughs> like the internet threw up in it. Like it had everything in there and all kinds of kitsch on the walls and it initially it was really good place for immigrants who had come to Toronto because you can get a lot of stuff for cheap. You can get bowls and plates and you can kind of set up your new life. Or if you're newly married, you can set up your whole new life for relatively cheap. And it was good. And that was kind of what it served as a beacon for the city. But then of course, as things kind of evolved and you can call you can debate whether it was progress or not. We have Amazon, we have Walmart and stuff like that. People started going to those places the problem, though, was that when Honest Ed's decided they were going to close and shut down, everybody was like, no, you can't do it. It's Honest Ed's. It's the icon. And they had the, the lights and there was Mr. T signings and things like that. It was a historic part of Toronto. But when you actually ask the people who said, no, you can't close, they're like, well, when was the last time you went and bought something? When was the last time you purchased something or recommended that place? Right. And they're like, no, I go do all my shopping at Walmart. I do my shopping at Amazon. Right. And so, like, these places, they can't exist as a museum. They're a business. You have to yeah. go and buy stuff. You have to go get your shoes repaired or you have to get orthopedic shoes or whatever it may be, as you're saying, with these uh, cobblers. And if you don't, uh, then, yeah, obviously they're not going to survive, right? So it's kind of like the thing of, like, you have to make a choice. If you want these things to survive, you have to invest in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. And uh, you're not only investing in them, but the whole nature of your own community that you live in, you know, um, if they're still, if they're around, they're creating a kind of character and quality of your neighborhood that is wholly, wholly and entirely different from a Walmart experience, you know, mm-hmm. and you're right. And there's a whole disconnect. We can have this mental disconnect between, yeah, I love those places. And yet I'm, I'm looking for uh, discounts from a big box retailer that has the ability to offer those discounts, you know, mm-hmm. but um, like one, one of the shoe places on Queen West said to me, you know, as soon as I'm discounting, I'm losing money, you know, so I can't compete on price. I can compete on quality and a level of service. You know, you know, a lot of those shoe places, they just drop your shoe box on the, on the counter or on the little bench that you sit on and walk away. You know, that's not what you get in a shoe store. That's a small shoe store. You get something different. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole difference of the nature of your community. Uh, and yeah, you gotta you gotta invest in it. You gotta be there. You gotta be part of it, and that includes buying. So, yeah, well said. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the exhibition is called Old World Shoes. It opens December second, uh, and it is at the Daniel Spectrum on Dundas Street East. It's in that gallery. Are you on the main floor, or the second floor, or which floor are you on? There's a couple of the floors. Main- in- that's right they use all the floors for galleries i'm on the main floor yeah yeah and so it runs for about a month from december 2nd to january 3rd um are you expecting any of the uh cobblers or the the shoe people 
uh, I don't know what the professional term is, uh, to show up for the opening <laughs> on December 2nd? I've had at least three confirmed for the opening night, yeah. Um, and they're all, all three of them are ones that I think we're having videos made. Like, I interviewed all of them on video, but I've had time to edit with some assistance, big assistance from a few people. Um, we're going to have videos for those people too. So we won't be showing them. You can scan the QR code to see them. But yes, there will be some shoe people there. And I'm very happy about it. It's going to be right. great. Yeah. yeah. And where can people find you online to discuss uh, shoes, uh, hanging out with Jamal Shabazz, uh, New York City, uh, any other cool things that you kind of get into uh, making connections or seeing some of your work? Where can people find you online? Thanks, Sammy. Yeah, I'm on uh, culturesnap.ca, culturesnap.ca. And um, if you add a slash old world shoes to that, you'll get info about my exhibit. Uh, and I'm and at culturesnap on Instagram and uh, Twitter at culture underscore snap. So, um, but if you just go to culturesnap.ca, you'll find my social stuff mm -hmm. and uh, my blog posts, like about some of those great adventures that you've mentioned. Um, lots of bikes. Lots of bikes. I got bikes of Montreal I posted, bikes of um, Mexico City, uh, Havana. So come have a look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we covered quite a bit, didn't we? We covered uh, bicycles, shoes, uh, Coney Island, and Jamal Shabazz. <laughs> Beautiful topics. Yeah. All great, <clears throat> all great things for sure. <laughs> yeah. So as I said, it's Old World Shoes uh, happening December 2nd to January 3rd, 2022. And by the way, this is a physical um, exhibition, right? Like people can go and put on pants and like attend. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Come on down, put on pants <laughs> and uh, come to the Daniel Spectrum and they're real prints on the wall. There's nothing like feeling my prints in real life. And for me, at least don't pull them off the wall, please. Um, <laughs> but for me to have, have my images out of the digital realm into real concrete form on a print is mm -hmm. such a good feeling yeah and i always feel like there's something extra of how good they look when they're when they're done the paper i'm printing them on is excellent quality mm -hmm. um it's worth it and for the stories and anecdotes you'll read when you uh come to the exhibit there's a lot of heartwarming touching um stories there for sure for sure yeah so yes this is pants worthy is what we're saying we've determined that, that it's pants worthy i'm glad it's earned the pants worthy uh <laughs> title there you go so thank you henry <laughs> for hanging out uh as he said you can follow all his adventures on culturesnap.ca and uh the show is called old world shoes that's it thank you for hanging out thank you sammy yo that was henry vanderspeck aka culture snap photography i am sammy yunan host of my summer lair his photography exhibition is Old World Shoes at the Daniels Spectrum Art Gallery in Regent Park from December 2nd to January 3rd, 2022. I was fortunate to enjoy a sneak preview of this exhibition, and it is special. There is a Jay-Z line in Empire State of Mind where he says, 8 million stories out there in the naked city. He's talking about New York, but that could be any city, like Toronto. Because in Toronto, we do have millions of stories. And a lot of those stories haven't been told. So if you attend Henry's exhibition, Old World Shoes, you will see a handful of these Toronto stories. You'll hear about the sacrifice and the joy and the hard work. Sometimes you even hear about the heartbreak. One of the bewitching aspects of the exhibition is that we rarely get to document our creativity. You know, like in film you often get to see directors directing. Oh, like, you know, all up in action. They have all kinds of footage of, like, Spielberg and Scorsese and other directors directing. But you rarely get a photo of Stephen King writing, like, The Stand or It. Even this podcast episode with Henry. It's a lot of creativity, but nobody took a photo of it while we talked. You just get the final product. There's a lot of creativity you never see while you delight in the final product. 
You don't see the process. As we try to come out of this pandemic, if you are seeking inspiration and want to rededicate yourself or even dedicate yourself to creativity, this exhibition is captivating. Because it's the process that gives us all the final product, right? So if you go check out Old World Shoes on from December 2nd, 2021 to January 3rd, 2022 at the Daniels Spectrum Art Gallery in Regent Park, it's just nice to go back to a gallery setting and to do something classy and like something that's worthy of a tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> you don't have to tuck it in though. It's not that classy. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a great opportunity to walk a mile in the shoes of shoemakers and shoe repair creators. I did very good with the shoe puns. Uh, I thought I was showed a lot of restraint. I'm not going to get any credit for that either. As for lastly, my takeaway for the kids is invest wisely. As an investment, small shopping pays off. Look, I ain't a saint. I'm not Moses coming down from the mountain with commandments. I'm just a dude with a podcast who recognizes that I and we, all of us, should put our money where our mouth is. There's a legit reason why that expression exists. Nostalgia is often for things we love, but the thing is, nostalgia is not love. Love is a verb. So if you dig a store, tell people, buy stuff, support a person's dreams, look up and look around. In your hood, in your boroughs, in your cities. Build the city you want. Don't just talk about the city you wish for. Speaking of verbs, can I make a request? Please subscribe to my summer layer. Please and thank you. I mean, after all, you just hung up with a conversation that went from Arnold to Eminem. How could you not want to have more of these episodes in your life? Right? <laughs> thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world. Old world shoes, yo.